is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our series called These Three Remain. Uh, and if you have your Bible, you could turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. This series I've been sharing on is based upon a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, which says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now what you need to understand is that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is not only a, 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 a chapter that describes what love is, but it also gives us a little bit of an indication of a timeline. That means that there are some things that are going to pass away when Christ returns. And I, I'm going to say it week after week and keep reminding us, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back soon. He's wrapping up this work on the earth. Many of the things that, that he told us were coming, they're upon us. They are, we are living in the last of the last days. And so Jesus is coming back. However, these three principles are, are, are what the, the word instructs us to operate in now so that we can operate in them in the next age. And I believe we're going to expand the kingdom of God right here in Citrus County righteously as we employ these uh, kingdom principles. And so uh, uh, today I want to speak to you a message called Love That Remains. Love That Remains. You know, one of the things that I think about often uh, is, is, is this. Am I making a significant difference with my life? Am I making an eternal impact with my life? Is what I am giving myself to meaningful? And, uh, you know, as, as I get a little bit older, I realize that the finish line is closer than it was yesterday. Now, I'm, I'm doing what I can to push that finish line a little further out. I think if you chase physical finish lines, you run a little bit, you move a little bit, you might push those Push that out a little bit, live a little bit stronger. But I believe what God is calling us to is to have fruit that remains. That means to leave a legacy on this planet for Christ. That we're called to do something that remains. And as I was praying about this, this final message in this series, I was like, Lord, just, just give me a, a, a word, give me a picture about what you want to share with the people of Calvary. And the Lord took me back to an Old Testament story, which was surprising because this word love, agape, is almost, it's a Greek word, found in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. But how many of you know that in the Old Testament, you get glimpses of the New Covenant that was coming? That's actually, you'll see a picture of something in the Old Testament, which is what now we are experiencing. And that is what I believe the Lord showed me and I want to share with you uh, this morning. So turn in your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to talk about this, this wonderful scene that happened between the shepherd, David, and Jonathan. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. 
says this, when David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bonded to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took David that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of his outer robe that, that he was wearing and he gave it to David with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. Let's pray one more time. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, we say we want to love people the way that you want us to love people. Do this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is an amazing uh, a, a, a account in the, in the scripture of a, a very significant moment. This, is, this comes fresh after David has taken down Goliath, that nine-foot giant that had been intimidating the armies of Israel day after day after day. Uh, David is just going uh, through his normal routine uh, with, the sh with the sheep. And his father says, I want you to take some bread and cheese to your brothers on the front line. And he goes out there and happens to see what is going on. Hears about all the promises made. If, if one of the Israelites will take down Goliath, he says, I'll do it. I'll do it. Big sequence of events, he, he actually finds himself out there with five smooth stones and a sling. Goliath says, what do you send dogs to come and fight against me? And he says, he says, you come at me with the sword. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord. I love what David says. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of God? I mean, he's just a feisty shepherd boy. Feisty in God. And so he's immediately off of this scene of this great victory where Israel has not only taken down uh, Goliath, but they have, they have chased back the Philistines. And David now is in the court of the king. Now I want to call your attention to what Jonathan is doing in this story. Because I believe that in this story, Jonathan is an example of what New Testament love is supposed to look like for people. God says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jonathan demonstrated this literally hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ would ever utter those words while walking on the planet. So what was it about this real love that Jonathan had? What, what elements 
can we actually grab hold of and leave here with today? That's what I want to impart to you, something real, something that you could take away, something that you could leave and, and, and possibly go to, after the service, brunch, and, and, and go and, and utilize, I believe, immediately. The first thing I want you to draw out of Jonathan's encounter with David is this. Love that remains sees. It sees. The eyes are wide open. You have to understand, this is the scene. We actually get it from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I believe this scene will cause us to ask this question. It says, why is Jonathan loving David so deeply immediately? I believe it's because God gave him eyes to see something that was not yet. Here's the scene. It says in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, it says, Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I want you to see this. This bloodied, forgotten shepherd boy is standing with a giant's head in his hand. And he's in the king's court. We never saw it that way before. But, but God didn't put the numbers in. We did, so we could just find the verses. He's standing with a defeated giant in his hand. He is bloody. He is dirty. He is victorious. He smells like sheep. <laughs> he does not look like he belongs in the king's court. There is nothing about this moment that says one day on the outside, this boy will be king. Have you ever had an encounter with somebody and you thought to myself, Lord, have mercy if God doesn't do something, you're going to jail. You ever look and you see like, oh, God needs to do something. You know, don't elbow your husband. That's not nice in church. We look at people and they seem so out of place, so lost, so misplaced. And yet Jonathan sees this bloodied, victorious shepherd and loves him. He loves him. He sees something on him. That not even his father could see. He looks on him. You know, the, the scripture tells us, you know, a little bit earlier in this same book, it says, um, of David, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. If we're going to have love that remains, we are going to have to see people beyond their circumstances. 
We have to look at them and see what God wants them to be, not necessarily what they are right now. I think this is the the hard lesson I had to learn in youth ministry for 16 years. I'm looking at these kids, and parents are going, please help. I'm like, I don't know if I can. You know, when, when grandmas look at you and they say, oh, bless your heart, we know what they're really saying. God's your only hope, son. (laughs) God's your only hope, daughter. But we as the church, we need not to just go out from this place and, and, and either look at our children or our teenagers or even the people in this community, even our government leaders. We don't need to look at them and judge them and say, you are a bloody, stinking shepherd and that's all you'll ever be. Thank you for the victory that you brought my kingdom. We need to look at them and say, God is bringing you into something more than you are right now. Love that remains will be love that sees. It sees people beyond their condition, and here's what it sees. It sees them in their calling. It sees beyond their condition. Jonathan was able to look beyond David's condition to see his calling. And listen, this view is held by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 17 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one Jesus died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that all who live should no longer live for themselves, But for him who died for them and rose again, listen to these words. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We need to allow the love of God to alter the way we look at people. We say, it doesn't matter. You may be on drugs now. You may be an alcoholic now. You may be a rebellious teenager now. But I see a king in you. I see a father in you. I see an overcomer in you. We have to begin to let the love of God change and alter the way that we see people. It needs to alter the way we look at them. We should see our children as champions. And the lost as leaders. Listen, the the, the early church had trouble with this. Remember Saul's going around and endorsing the murder of the early church. And then he has a dramatic encounter with Jesus. And in the very, very beginning, God's going to send him a messenger and heal him. Yet the messenger that he's wanting to send is reluctant. If God shows up to you and starts to speak to you, most of us would be like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. But even the early church was looking on the outside and says, uh, uh, Lord, um, you, you know how much uh, he's persecuted us. You, you, you do know that, right? You, you know what he deserves, right? And God, God, the only words God gives back is that I'm going to show him the things he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, in a time of prayer, his, his 
his vision was changed. And I, I want to say this to you. It doesn't matter where people are. There could be the most outspoken atheist that you've ever come across. Change the way you look at them. Let the love of God change the way you see. Remember the one thing that, that never fails. Love. Love never fails. Some of us are convinced if I could only argue better, I would convince them. I, I got I to gotta just, I want you to be able to defend your faith. I want you to know the scriptures. I want you to be prepared in season and out season, but it's still the spirit of God that draws men to repentance. It's still God that does that. And if we are going to walk in a love that remains, that actually makes an impact, you're going to have to start to let the love of God change the way that you see. David holding the bloodied head of Goliath on his way to Jerusalem. Jonathan sees him and loves him. He's out of place in the king's court, in the natural. But in the spirit, Jonathan saw him as a king. He saw him as a king. Let me ask you today, do you see people as kings? Because in Christ, Peter tells us, we are a royal priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. Sometimes, sometimes we don't, we, we don't even care for people in the church. They bother us. They do things differently than us. They're, they're more northern than us. They're more southern than us. They're more this or that. And I, I just want to say, love will alter the way that you see. And I just want to say, here today. You, you, you may have come here addicted, but you're not going to stay addicted. You may have come here bound, but I see you free. You may have come here fearful. I see you filled with love and walking in boldness. I see what the Spirit of God on you can do through you. And the only difference are the days ahead where God walks you deeper and deeper into his grace and to his presence. And I believe if God will allow us as a church to begin to let the love of God help us to see people, this gospel is going to explode here. Number one complaint by people outside of the church is the church judges me. And yet the scriptures tells us, he says, I no longer regard any man according to the flesh. Because if, they're, if they get in Christ, they're a brand new creation. A brand new creation. For David, David needed a Jonathan. Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, needed a Barnabas. And I want to say this to you. The lost in this county needs you. Needs you to see them for who Christ will make them. Allow the love of God to pour over you and alter the way you see people. It's beyond their behavior, beyond, beyond their addictions, beyond what, what they are uh, openly doing. 
There will be plenty of opportunities to be offended at people. Just don't take any of them. Change the way you see. Change the way. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you this love that will allow the kingdom of God to remain and bear fruit. Our children are champions. And there are lost people right now. They're at home, probably sleeping. Some of you wish you were. Some of you are. Wake up. <laughs> there are lost people right now. In 10 years, they're going to be leaders in the body of Christ. But will you see them? Will you allow the love of God to alter the way you see Love that remains sees. Secondly, it is simply this. Love that remains shares. It is not enough for us to just see. We need to allow this same spirit that rested on Jonathan to rest on us. Love that remains shares. You see in verse 3 it says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. It's as if you could hear Jesus saying these exact same words. Love your neighbor as yourself. Notice what Jonathan did. He stripped himself of the outer robe that he was wearing and he gave it to David. With his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. It says, Jonathan made a covenant with David, which means simply this. He entered into agreement. He entered into an agreement with him. And he bound, it says that he was knit together. That literally means fastened, interwoven together. Quickly, take an inventory. How many people... In your life, are you knit together with? Have you made a covenant with that says, whatever I possess in Christ, it's yours. It's yours. Jonathan's love for David led him to share Everything he had, that is love. All of his authority, rank, even his position were available for David to lean on. And I believe that this is the picture of loving discipleship. I want you to see this. Jonathan is being prepared for a throne. To take the throne of his father, Saul. He's been raised up, educated. He has the look. After all, his dad was a head taller than anyone else in Israel. Jonathan has the look of greatness. But Jonathan sees David. and says, there's one that God is going to raise up. I so love him 
that everything my father saw has passed to me, I pass to David. You know, um, years ago, uh, my dad would, uh, would, would take, go out in the front yard and he, he loves the game of golf, which is odd. If you love golf, that's awesome. Golf is a, a, a game which you will get married to and divorced from about nine times every round. <laughs> and I'll never, I'll never forget the days where my dad would be out swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging. And he'd go and collect the balls and bring them back and come and swing and swing and swing and swing. And I can remember as a boy coming out there, taking dad's big long clubs at the time and trying to swing them. And then dad says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you some clubs that fit you. And he says, son, this is how you do it. And my dad, iron worker, big hands, would reach around me. And he put his hands on my hands. And he would show me a swing. He says, this is what you do, son. This is what you do. I'm going to take everything I've learned and I'm going to wrap my arms of love around you. And I'm going to show you how to swing, how to stand. And to this day, occasionally, probably once or twice a year, I go out on a, uh, you know, to, to play golf, to chase golf balls. And it's amazing, usually, that those lessons from a child, when my dad wrapped his arms around me, they all come back. It all comes back, the stance, the strength. Still hit the ball pretty far. Usually pretty straight. And I, I think this is the picture that God wants of us. What has the Father imparted to you when he wrapped his arms around you and said, Son, daughter, this is the way that you should talk. This is the way you should live. Hey, I'm going to give you this gifting. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to strengthen you. This is the way that you're going to, you're going to do this. And, and I'm, I'm calling you to do great things. And, and the Father, through the Son, Jesus Christ, is wrapping his arms around you, gifting you. You know what the Lord is calling us to do? To take all of that. And wrap it on someone else. Jonathan takes the robe that marked him as a prince, the heir to the throne, and he throws it over David. I believe love that remains, love that makes a difference, takes every gift that's in us and shares it. 
That's why it's not enough for us to just come on a Sunday morning and experience the presence of God together. That's amazing. That's an element of it. It's the launching pad for, for everything that we do. But it is something else that when on a Monday or a Tuesday you take the giftings and callings of God, the things that God has blessed you with, and you take it off, and you begin to wrap it around someone else that's going to walk in their calling. That is the love that shares. I don't know what God has imparted to you. I don't know what he has given you to give away, but he has given you something. He has given you something, and all that Jonathan had been given by his father was passed to David. And this is what Christ has done for us. All that the father gave Jesus, he has given to you. All that the Father gave to Jesus, he has given to you. Do not say to yourself, I have nothing to give. You have everything to give. Because all that Christ received through his selfless sacrifice, he now gives to you as a daughter or son of the risen king. In Matthew 28, Jesus clearly states it this way. He says, and Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And this is the moment where he wraps it around them. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He says, everything has been given to me. He takes that robe and clothes the church in it. And I want to encourage you today That there is something in you to give away. We must share the love of God. We must share the gifting that is on our life. Listen, even the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, we find out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says that, that the gifts, they are given for the profit of all. That means the good of other people. You are not gifted prophetically or with gifts of healings so people could go, ooh, you're awesome. Wow, you really read people's mail. God tells you all kinds of secrets. You're awesome. No, those gifts are for other people. And love that remains shares. It is for the good of others. The good of others. You have something to give. Jesus said, I've, I've, I've been given it all. And now I'm giving it to you. And love that remains, that makes an eternal difference, shares. Notice what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. It says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. I, I, I just want you to know, that is very comforting personally, but it is not very effective corporately unless you give those blessings away. 
unless you walk in that blessing, unless you say, God, I want to be baptized in your presence, not so other people think well of me. It is so that other people think well of Christ and their lives are eternally impacted. It is so that I can take every blessing that I have been blessed with and wrap it around somebody that looks out of place so that they begin to walk in their calling. Love that remains Shares. We must begin to selflessly invest all that God has deposited in us as an act of love. I, uh, I, I, I want to remind, remind you of something, that this moment in 1 Samuel 18, uh, it, it wasn't the first time that someone from this family tried to put their armor on David. Tried it before, right before Goliath goes down, Saul's like, um, I have my armor. You should put that on. David obeyed. He's like, uh, yeah, this, this doesn't work for me. We, we, we don't really see it in the scripture, but um, I wonder if the reason that it didn't work is because Saul called it his armor. And the idea that if somebody walks out in Saul's armor, maybe some of the people actually think it's Saul taking on Goliath. And David said, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, this isn't going to work. I, I need to go in what I came in. I, I need to go. But, but after he slays Goliath, Jonathan comes along, takes off his robe, gives him his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. And it all fits When I read that in the Bible, my next question is, why? And here's what the Lord spoke to me, love. Because Jonathan gave him the armor. Jonathan's armor wasn't Jonathan's armor anymore. It became David's. Jonathan's sword wasn't Jonathan's sword anymore. It became David's. His bow wasn't his own. It became David's. Church, you're gifted by God to give it away. You are gifted and called by God to give it away. None of us can escape the assignment of the church to go and make disciples, to raise up people. But the way you do it, is you take off the robe, take off the title, by all means, whatever you do, do not make a business card with your title in it in the church, okay? Please don't do that. Don't go out there looking for a name, trying to build a ministry, you know, first ministry of deliverance, chain breaker, heavenly minded, you know, the long cards, you know, people do that all the time, trying to say, I am this person. 
the Apostle Paul calls that foolishness. Here's what you do. If you want to make a difference for the kingdom, all the gifts that are in you, silently give them away to someone else in love. And watch how the kingdom expands. I firmly believe with all of my heart that what we've read here, Jesus could be seen in the eyes of Jonathan. I firmly believe that Jonathan is acting right now as Christ. So when he takes off his robe and he clothes David, this is the moment when David passes from shepherd to king. And I believe that you have a critical role to play in the lives of people around you. Can we just stop being annoyed and start loving? <laughs> Can we start being, you know, uh, stop being um, navel gazers? Just always looking at ourselves? And start to allow love to change the way that we look at people, look at this community? And can, can we start to share what God has given away to us? Can we begin to impart that to other people? The simple answer is, yes, we can. And yes, we will. You see, when we love, we will see differently. And when we begin to see people differently, I believe a freedom is going to come to us to clothe people in the gift of grace, their callings. We're going to begin to see people walk in their very purposes. It's everything we dreamed of. But it's not about promoting us. It's about a love that remains we're going to live this church. We're going to live this Calvary. And oh, the glory stories that follow a life of love. I hope you've enjoyed this message from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and God bless.